Welcome to the Last Point Wins NBA podcast brought to you by two dudes who watch a lot of basketball and try to give you their opinion on it. What it do, baby? <laughs> Happy anniversary, man. Happy anniversary? Yep. Of what? Uh, this day one year ago was Carmelo Anthony's last time playing the NBA. Really? Really. Feels longer ago than that. Last year he was on the Rockets at this time? Last year, this time, was his last game on the Rockets. Wow. That feels a lot longer ago than that. Yeah, I know, right? Crazy. If only he had just come off the bench in Oklahoma City like he should have. Yeah, or just decided to accept any type of role on a team besides being a star. Right. Same way that Allen Iverson rode off in uh, Memphis and Detroit. Yeah, just just out, and man. Ultimately Philadelphia again, too, actually, ironically. Yep. Yo, um, so off-topic basketball story, right? Did you happen to see LSU's new five-star recruit? No. All right. So I'm going to give you his name, and I want you to guess his guess his ethnicity. Oh, boy. So, okay. So his last name's Crawford. Okay. His first name is, uh, I'm going to spell it out for you, D-E-C-O-L-D-E-S-T, the coldest. The coldest. Yeah. Now, you said LSU's newest recruit. Is he a hockey player? No, no, he doesn't play hockey. Uh, he plays he plays football. Okay, football player named DeColdest. Is he Native American? Is it like running water? No, I'll give you another hint, right? Sitting so, Bull? It's not Sitting Bull. There De was a Coldest? rumor that his uh, his middle name was To Ever Do It, but that, that was uh, dispelled by, uh, by media members. DeColdest To Ever Do It Crawford, okay. What mm-hmm. position does he play? He's a wide receiver. Okay, so he's a skill position player. Okay, so that eliminates, I guess, unless he's uh, Christian McCaffrey, the coldest to ever do it, McCaffrey. Do you want to know his actual middle name? What's his actual middle name? Juan. Okay, good. Then I'm going to guess that he's uh, Mexican. Uh, Actually, I don't know his race, but I'm pretty sure he's a black guy. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds safe to say. The coldest. Excellent. That's a it's a good name, man. I guess, but I mean, so like if you're a parent, all right, I'm not going to get all my, my, my race speech, but if you're a parent and you, and you name your kid something like this, you're kind of limiting what they can do in life. Like this dude has to be a football player, right? Right. I mean, I suppose he possibly spent a lot of his time getting bullied and so he had to become the best at something the only way to overcome a name like that is to be really good at something so it's like the old school like johnny cash uh a boy named sue i can't say that i'm familiar with any johnny cash songs bro you are you are caucasian you have to know johnny cash i didn't even know that johnny cash johnny cash existed before the movie walk the line which i didn't see so i don't know anything about johnny cash all right. well, I, think, I think he spent time at Rikers Island. No, not Rikers Island. Alcatraz. <laughs> yeah, so I'm saying, like, the coldest, like, he has to make it in the NFL, right? Like, like what other job can he hold? A fisherman in Alaska. Right. So uh, so big ups to the coldest Crawford. Congratulations on a free ride at LSU. I hope, uh, I hope you do well in college football. 
I can't wait. That's like the Key and Peel skit where they do the starting lineups. That's like an actual name that they would have used. Mm-hmm. The coldest Crawford, the Ohio State University. Yo, speaking of uh, like racially ambiguous stuff, like, so have you seen your boy Alex Caruso? Yeah. Yeah. So like, so he's a bald white guy, right? Like yep. he always gets labeled as like surprisingly athletic. Like why is it surprising? Like the dude, the dude's just athletic, right? I don't know, man. We live in a time where Christian McCaffrey's the best running back in the NFL, so I guess anything is possible. <laughs> I don't know. I think uh, Caruso needs to get his dues. Like that dude's actually athletic. He catches bodies. I, it sucks that he's like like 24 and completely bald, but I mean it is what it is. Maybe so we should talk to LeBron James. <laughs> like a new wave Bobby Sura. Yeah, I fuck with that. So uh, you want to talk about some NBA action? I do. I'm pissed off right now because I haven't splurged on NBA League Pass yet because I've got like four different illegal bootleg streaming devices that I've been lucky enough to watch most games on, you know, interruption free so far this year. And it's not cooperating right now. So I'm, I'm missing my Knicks game. So I'm a little tight about that at the moment. But I guess they're down by 10 to the Kings already at home. So maybe it's for the best. Yeah, I could probably let you know how that game is most likely going to end without you watching it. I'm going to give you a score right now. It's at the end of the first quarter, and I want you to guess the two teams involved. 46 to 14 at the end of one. Who are play- Who's playing? Is, it, is one of the teams Cleveland? No, good guess. What about Charlotte? Also a good guess. That probably would have been my first guess, but again, wrong. Jesus. I'll tell you, it's an Eastern Conference team versus a Western Conference team. The right. team that's in the lead may surprise you. Oh, God. I'll be honest. I didn't even look at the schedule today. I got nothing. What, what is it? Miami Heat 46, Houston Rockets 14 after one. You have to be loving that. Your boy, James Harden is shooting one for six. Of course, one for five of those are on three-pointers. Yeah, man. It's a new age. New wave. Yeah, new wave. Losing f- Now it's 49 to 14, just to keep you updated. But yeah, uh, we can get into the action. So obviously that's what's going on today. So nothing to speak of. We do have games coming up after we record this. Um, Lakers at Spurs and Jazz at Clippers, which we touched on both of those games in our last recording. Um, we talked about that Lakers-Mavs game. As a preview, I believe that was on Friday night, and that that lived up to the billing. Um, Mavs arguably let that game slide away, but you know that's that's probably the negative way to look at it. You, the Lakers obviously fought back. I think they were down by like eight late in the fourth quarter, got back into the game. Um, yet another big clutch shot from Danny Green, who I guess we can get used to him doing that all season. Um, and then the Lakers pulled away in overtime. So now we get to see uh, another test for them against the Spurs. So that's good. The, and then uh, Jazz Clippers, hopefully Kawhi plays tonight so we can kind of get a more accurate picture of what those two teams look like. Yeah, uh, and I we we're I was texting you during Friday night's game because I, I got to go home to watch the Celtics-Knicks game. Do you want to hit on that? Sure. So – I hate that confirmation bias, but in our last podcast, I talked about Jason Tatum and, you know, how I was very optimistic and very excited. And he ended up hitting the game winning shot over your boy, RJ Barrett. How do you feel about that? Great shot. Shook him out of his boots. 
I mean, it was good defense, but better offense is going to be good defense as we've seen historically. Ironically, it was like the same play call last year uh, that they played. I I think it was the Magic, and I think it was Gordon Hayward taking the shot. Or no, Gordon Hayward was inbounding. Tatum ended up taking the shot, and then Kyrie was bitching that he didn't get the shot after because Jason Tatum missed. Um, I think it's funny. Like It was a very similar play call. Kemba was all all the way in the backcourt. Uh, they want to run some action to get him going towards the rim. You know, you have a couple seconds to decide whether the action is going to work. It didn't work. Dumped it off to Tatum. I mean, I think it was a smart play by Brad Stevens, who I guess is uh, known for his out-of-bounds plays. And I just like the the difference, because I think even if the shot didn't go in, Kemba would have the same reaction, like, hey, good play, good shot, as opposed to Kyrie in the postgame saying he needs to take the last shot in the game. Well, he would have criticized him for being young, even though he's about four years older than Jason Tatum and, you know, not understanding how things work, like that the earth is flat and that sort of thing. Yeah. So, like, after the game, we were talking and uh, you were very optimistic about the Knicks outcome and what the Knicks can do. And then I quickly shut it down. So I kind of want to recap that. Like, so why are you optimistic on this Knicks team? So as a longtime suffering Knicks fan – the problem where they fall um, victim to is like superstar names. So they've been bad for 20 years, but they try to put a Band-Aid over that bad by signing a name to you know, almost trick their fan base to get them excited. So we end up signing Steve Francis past his prime, Baron Davis past his prime, Rasheed Wallace past his prime. Amari Stoudemire, you know, passed his knees. He had a good uh, year. Jalen, yeah, yeah, he did. Jalen Rose, you know, passed his prime. Um, I, I can't. I've Tracy McGrady passed his prime. I can't even. I mean, I'm sure I'm missing a whole bunch of names. Um, but so we signed these guys to get the fan base all excited. Like, oh my God, did you see that we got, you know, Stefan Marbury? But again, it's past their prime. And we sign these guys to bad contracts. And like I say, it's just trying to put a Band-Aid over it. It's not addressing the problem, which is we are bad and we've been bad. And the only way to get better is to build your team internally. It's not going to just be sign some player and, you know, the next day it's healed overnight. Uh, but what we were also doing is, you know, trading away, you know, trading a first round pick for an Andrea Bargnani. So we were kept mortgaging our future. Fun fact about the Knicks, I don't know if you knew knew this, but the only player, well, the last player that the Knicks drafted and then subsequently signed to a second contract. So you know how you get your rookie skill contract and then you typically sign your next NBA contract with that team? I, I know this. Charlie Ward. Exactly. Charlie Ward, who you may recall from the 90s Knicks. That yeah. means for whatever draft picks that we have had, you know, obviously they've traded away a lot of them, but for whatever draft pick that they have had, the Jordan Hills and the Danilo Gallinari's, and then obviously famously most recently Chris Depp's Porzingis, et cetera, um, we trade those guys away before they even get to their second second NBA contract. So finally the Knicks are doing it, in my opinion, the right way. What they don't understand is that us – Knicks fans are smarter than we're given credit for, and we don't want to keep being tricked by signing big names who are past their primes. We if And you've been doing that for 20 years and giving us a bad product for 20 years, and yet we've loyally and faithfully stuck by you. So if you've been bad for 20 years, just do the tanking model 
be bad for two or three more years. We're going to stick with you anyway and build through high draft picks, keep your own players, keep some cap flexibility, inherit other assets from other teams, and the Knicks are finally doing that. We drafted Kevin Knox. You know, verdict's out on him, but whatever. He's young. Let's build him. We drafted R.J. Barrett. He sure looks like he's good, so let's build him. We drafted Frank Nielakina. Who the heck knows, but whatever. Let's build him or let's keep him as a trade asset. We you know, acquired Dennis Smith Jr. from the Mavs. Verdict's still out on him, but whatever. Let's either try to groom him or trade him. And then we have, obviously, Mitchell Robinson, Alonzo Trier. Point is, we have a whole bunch of young players now that we can either groom and hopefully they turn into the Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green types, um, or we can try to trade those guys. We also have all of our first-round picks, plus we acquired two first-round picks from the Mavericks. So we have six first-round picks over the next four years. Obviously, ours are probably going to be pretty good if we continue to be poor. And then while we missed out on the Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irvings this summer, which whatever, I'm arguably okay with that. That could be a whole different podcast on its own. We signed what I think are smart contracts because we signed veterans that could help groom our young players but could also help other playoff teams to favorable contracts. Yeah, I mean, so, we, we talked about that. Like, I like we both feel like this Knicks roster is in, the, in an easy reboot mode. Like, they have veteran players that playoff potential teams or, or teams trying to get over the hump would want to trade for. So it should be a easy, easy recipe. They can get probably three to four first-round picks by trading a Bobby Portis, by trading uh, Morris, by trading uh, Julius Randle. But, like, we both don't have any faith that the Knicks will do the right thing. And why is that? There's one reason for that. Oh, we all know the reason. It's it's a guy that owns a band, and he owns a team, and he kicks Charles Oakley out of Madison Square Garden. Like, who? And anybody who has the audacity to tell him to sell the team. Yeah, fuck. Man, fuck that guy. Like, I, like. We have to catch him in some racist shit like a Donald Sterling to get him out of the NBA. Like, that dude is just done. Well, he's boys with uh, Harvey Weinstein, so I was kind of hoping that maybe uh, he would get caught up in some kind of scandal with him and go down with him. But I haven't heard any whispers of that yet. But I might I might just spread that rumor myself. I mean, you know, we have a forum now. We're, we're being heard. So if you're listening to this podcast, I heard that uh, Jim Dolan – used to get involved with the same shit Harvey Weinstein used to do. So spread that around. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's facts. Like, just write it down. <laughs> Take it the facts. Yeah, but yeah, no, Dolan will continue to be the problem. And it's because of that, that with all the faith that I can have in our new management group with uh, Mills there and uh, Perry, it's Dolan is the denominator. He's the root of all the problems. So, I mean, I feel for you, like, Obviously, I like to see my team do well and your team do bad, uh, mostly because I don't like you as a human being. Right. But it's it is so frustrating to like watch that because like you have you are a 100% Knicks fan through and through, and it, it it is at some point you just feel bad, you know, just like like stop kicking them all these down, like like give give Knicks fans something, please. Well, unfortunately, Dolan doesn't get punished because he can't get punished because the market is just too big and too demanding. So they're always going to be top five in merchandise sales. They're always going to be top five in attendance. So he doesn't, you know, his bank account never gets hit, so to speak. He never, you know, you, you can, you can roll out a poor product for 20 straight years. And even if 1 million New Yorkers decide to protest, 
there's still 7 million other New Yorkers that can fill the, you know, 20,000 seats at Madison Square Garden. So he'll never get punished for it. So he'll never, it'll never register with him, I guess. So let's move off the Knicks. Let's look at the NBA action over uh, this past weekend. So again, I, I did not get to see a lot of games. I'm going to be reliant on you. So I saw the Nuggets barely beat the Magic, but then I saw some stuff in the media about Nicole Jokic, and you know there were some quotes about the the coach. Did you see any of that, or have yeah, anything to put on that? Coach is calling them out, and rightfully so. They're not looking great. I mean, this is a team that is known historically for their offensive firepower because they get that altitude and can run team. You know, team coming in playing on the second day, but back to back in Denver. They can run him out the gym. And then even, you know, specifically this team with all that offensive firepower that they have, while we we always say it's evenly distributed, you know, you don't have the 28 point per game score followed by the 24 point per game score. You more have eight, you know, 12 to 14 point per game scores. But they've got all this offensive firepower and it's not clicking. I mean, you know, the Magic are a stubborn defensive team. So fine, you're scoring, you know, 91 points against the Magic. But they're just, you know, it's a, it's 107 against the Pelicans, 106 against the Mavericks, 101 against the Kings. They needed overtime to get to 108 against the Suns. This isn't the the Mavericks that we knew last year. You know what I mean? They're supposed to be more high octane, more firepower than that. So I, I, I'm with the coach calling them out. I mean, this, this is a team that has expectations this year. Last year it was make, make the playoffs. You, you missed out. You had the ninth seed two years ago, so last year it was just okay, make the playoffs. Obviously, they overexceeded, but now there's expectations there, and so early in the season, you know, live up to them, call them out. I'm cool with it. Their next, it's not going to get any easier. Their next games are the Heat, Sixers, and overachieving Timberwolves team. So, yeah, speaking of the Timberwolves, were you as surprised as I was that they won a game without Carl Anthony Towns? Oh hell yeah! I mean that. Obviously, Carl Anthony Towns throws that team on his back, and and they should only go as he goes. So if he's out, you would think that they're going to struggle mightily. It's a, uh, it, I know it was Halloween and all, but it's pretty scary when uh, Andrew Wiggins is the best player in your team. So, um, or is going to be, you know, the going to be the best player in your team. So yes, incredibly surprised until I realized who they were playing against, and that's the Washington Wizards. The 158-point Washington Wizards. That is true. Can't take that away from them. Although, how many points are the Heat going to score against the Rockets tonight? So, uh, I think it, that's all rely on my boy Nunn. We'll get into Nunn a little later. Oh, I think we probably have the same player then. <laughs> Nunn, who is making history, but we'll get into that a little later. So, but no, I like I I uh, I like the Nuggets being called out because you know the Western Conference is we we talk about every week. Seeds one through ten could be separated by five games, so all games matter. All right, a question I want to pose to you: Are all right? I don't know how to, how to say this without laughing. Are the Phoenix Suns for real? Uh, no, would still be my answer. You know what okay. I mean? So over an 82 game season, no. But it's impressive, you know what they're doing nonetheless. Testament to um, Monty Williams, I think first and foremost. But then bringing in Rubio, which they had talked about solidifying that point guard position for years and and just getting Booker a little more off the ball. So Rubio, Aaron Baines, 
Um, Frank Kaminsky has been bowling for them, ironically, off the bench. So there's pieces there, but no, over an 82-game season, you know, I think they'll fall back to, the, you know, that 11 through 15 pack. All uh, right. No, I mean, I guess I agree with that, but I think we should probably keep an eye on the Suns with the top teams sliding down. They're not where, like where we thought they would be. I think Portland's worse than most people thought they would be. Maybe the Suns can slip in. Probably not, but it's something to keep your eye on. All right, so losing, we're uh, – go ahead. Losing Aiton for more than a quarter of the season hurts too, though. Yeah, but does it? Like, is he good? Yeah, that's what uh, I said that. <laughs> so we're a month uh, – well, we finished our fu- first month, but basically a week and a half of the NBA season. So I think every month we're going to go through our – picks for a coach for the east and west players for the east and west and rookies to watch for for the east and west yes um, with that. so do you want to hit the east or the west first uh why don't we do it by category coaching you know coach rookie um player so why don't we start with rookie okay do so, you want to go do you want me to go well so it sounds like we're gonna have the same so rookie of the month eastern conference um, I'm going with, of course, the aforementioned Kendrick Nunn. Yeah, same. And then looking at Kendrick Nunn, so when you see players like this just, like, burst on the scene, you have to, like, wonder, like, how did nobody know who he was? Did you happen to see any of his backstory? I get, Yeah, I guess he had some trouble in college. I know he was, like, a uh, highly rated recruit out of high school. A four-star uh, recruit. He okay. in Chicago. So had his choice to go to a bunch of um, colleges, but then I I just know that he bounced around to a, you know decommitted, um, transferred, uh, maybe got kicked off a team. So I I just know he had some trouble, but I don't know what the troubles were. So apparently he had a a rough domestic. So I mean hopefully we could chalk that up as like for him being just a, a young guy like not knowing what happened or like what he was doing, whatever. I'm not trying to make excuses for people like obviously domestic violence is the worst thing you could do, one of the worst things you could do. But yeah, you know, he bounced around. He was, he went to the same high school, the powerhouse as Jabari Parker and Derek Rose and all that, like all the, the big powerhouses in Chicago. So he was a four-star recruit coming out. And I think that domestic drew a lot of teams away, even though it's Duke and ball. So I'm glad he's getting his time to shine. Hopefully he, he realizes his mistakes, you know? And it just proves two things. Um, that we always say, which is, A, if you have a particular skill, there's probably a place for you in the NBA, So his and, and specifically shooting, and clearly his is shooting. Uh, so when you can shoot like that, you can have a 12. I mean, we talked about the, these guys that the Knicks signed. Look no further than Wayne Ellington. What does Wayne Ellington really bring to the table other than shooting? And it's kept him in the NBA for about you know 12 years, even though he may be a journeyman. That's what Kendrick Nick's, Nick's, uh, Nunn's niche is going to be, is going to be shooting, and it can keep him in the NBA for a long time. And then it also just goes to show that no matter how much time we spend on mock drafts and ranking these guys in three, four, five stars and this and that, it's a crapshoot. No one knows. You know, look no further than Jabari Parker, who you just mentioned as teammate. Look no further than, obviously, Markel Fultz. There's been countless examples of misses in the top five and undrafted hits and second-round hits. Your Draymond Greens and your Gilbert Arenas's 
Alonzo Trier went undrafted. The Knicks picked him up. It's just such a crapshoot. I mean, it's unbelievable. Do you remember uh, our our men's league pickup or our men's league team name for one year? Mm, what was that? Gilbert's Guns. You don't remember that? <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. <laughs> Did we have uh, jerseys? What would our What would our logo have looked like? I tried to get us to buy jerseys, but like you're you were not about that life. <laughs> that's fantastic. All right. So what about in the West? So the West. So you know, in looking at this obviously with Zion out and that makes a big difference. All the best rookies are in the Eastern conference. Your RJ Barrett's and your Rui Hachimara's and your Tyler heroes and your, you know, every single good rookie seems to be uh, the, the kid out there in Charlotte who's reigning the threes from Kentucky, PJ Washington. They all seem to be in the Eastern conference, which is good for the future of the Eastern conference, I suppose, because this draft class, looks better than I think we thought it was going to be. And obviously the East has been inferior to the West for Jesus, 20 years since Jordan left. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's good for the Eastern conference. But so therefore when it comes down to the West, it was honestly kind of slim picking. I mean, I'm looking at, you know, the warriors who are rolling out this squad of rookies and those kids are competing harder than anybody would have thought. So I'm like, all right, well, good for those kids. Brandon Clark is neat off the bench. <laughs> I mean, like a nice piece playing spot minutes off the bench. But so I think it has to go to John Morant. I mean, I don't really know. And, and John Morant's not blowing the doors off per se. He had that one great game that we talked about that we thought was going to be his coming out party. I like Ja because he fills up the box score, you know, a la Russell Westbrook. But he doesn't really have much competition out west. Yeah, yeah I feel you. John Morant, 18.8 points per game, 3.4 rebounds. 5.4 assists, pretty easy pick. So let's just move on. All right. All right. Let's go player of the month in the East. Who do you got? All right. So I am going – I bet you will differ here. I'm going to go with Giannis, reigning MVP, and he personally has not done anything to be knocked off that perch yet. Um, you know, still top 10 in scoring, rebounds, assists, filling up the box score. The team is out to a commendable 4-2 and two record, which – you know, might not be as good or as convincing as they'd like, but he's carrying even more of the burden now, being that they lost some of their complementary pieces. So until someone knocks him off his perch and makes a claim to that throne, it's got to be Giannis over, you know, let's say Andre Drummond, who's putting up monster numbers but not getting the team results. Siakam, who is you know, uh, doing a poor man's version of Giannis, essentially. Trey Young, who was looking phenomenal, but then got hurt and doesn't have the record to back it up. And then the Sixers, just sort of uh, too too well-balanced. So there's no one that's staking an, you know, an MVP-type claim there. All right. So in the East, I do have a Sixer. I have Joel Embiid. So his team is 4-1. and one. He's averaging 25 points per game, 10 rebounds. And he just... He's you got the on. Sixers losing? Bro, the Sixers are undefeated. They are not 4-1? and one? No, bro. They're 5-0. and oh. <laughs> Well, even even more reason why he should be the Eastern Conference Player of the Month. Yeah, so, they went to Portland without him and won, so. Yeah, it's all right. That's probably why I'm why I 4-1, and one, because they didn't play that, that one game. You know, so, weird know about Joel Embiid. I forgot to bring this up uh, before the cat fight. I heard an interview with cat him. Fight. Yeah. 
So I heard an interview with him. I think it was on the Brian Lowe podcast. And he was saying, oh, you know, this year is going to be different. He's not going to, like, chirp between players. Who the hell is Brian Lowe? Or whatever. You mean Zach Lowe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Zach Lowe podcast, right? That he was not going to chirp with players. He's not going to talk as much junk. And it took exactly, like, four games in the season for him to to forget everything that that his his preseason plans were. So – I just want to bring that up. I thought it was hilarious. Good for him, man. Stay true to yourself, Joel. Don't ever change. But yeah, no, Sixers last undefeated team left in the NBA. All right. Good good stat. That's why uh that's why you're here. You're the stat guy. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so who do you have in the West as your player of the month? Kawhi would be tempting, but you're doing load management six games into the season. Nah, fam. Um as tempting as Aaron Baines is in Phoenix, I'm gonna go with Carl Anthony Towns. Okay. Putting up monster numbers on a four and one Timberwolves team, you know, the cat fight aside, which is an appropriate name for that scuffle. I'm going with Carl Anthony Towns. All right. So for the West, I'm going to go with Luca. So, oh yeah. So he's averaging 26.2 points per game, 9.6 rebounds and 8.4 assists on a three and two team that could have easily been four and one had they, beat the Lakers, which they didn't, but it's a young team, so I'm going to cut him some slack. He, So he had an amazing rookie year. He also think, may have been concussed at the end of that Lakers game. I'm going to throw that out there. He caught an elbow to his face and looked like he was seeing stars, so that might be why they didn't close out that game. Maybe. but So with Luka, right, we knew he was going to be good, a good rookie, but we weren't sure about his ceiling because we thought he is what he is. I think he's taken that next step that we weren't sure he could make. Um, I think a rookie Luca as your as a player is a good player. And if he's even better than that, which he looks like he is, he looks awesome. So I have Luca for the West so far. Now let me ask you this. If Luca wanted to sleep with your wife, would you let him? Bruh. <laughs> nah, fam. <laughs> Alright, just seeing how far your love affair with Luca goes. Yo. Alright, he's playing well. I don't know why you hate him so much, but he, you'll probably love him by the end of his career. All right. So for the East, who do you have for so far, just the month of October, coach of the year? All right. So shout out to Spolstra, doing a good job, out to a good record, won some games without their star signing Jimmy Butler, developing players like the aforementioned Kendrick Nunn, Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero. Um, shout out to the Hornets coach, although nobody that listens to this podcast could even name who he is, but I would have thought that Charlotte was going to go 0-82 and this year, so off the strength that they already have three wins, I'll give him a shout-out. And then shout-out to my man, the dapper Lloyd, Lloyd Pierce, who coaches the Hawks, um, for the competitive start that they've got out to. But it's got to be Brett Brown. I mean, only undefeated team in the NBA – beating all challengers. I mean, they've, so they're, they're the only undefeated team in the NBA and they've also played the hardest schedule in the NBA. And he's doing all this while meshing new players um, who are getting, you know, significant rotation minutes, whether it be rookies or Al Horford or whatever. Um, The kid who made the three pointer the other day to beat the Blazers. I don't even know who the hell that is. So it's, it's gotta be him. And to me, it's, I mean, it's a no brainer. Uh, well, you don't have a brain because it should be Nick Nurse, all right? So Nick Nurse is coaching a Raptors team that's 4-2, and two, who most people 
preseason, I guess casual NBA fans would have them out, outside of the playoffs. Uh, and they are not outside of the playoffs. They are right in the mix of things. They could be as high as a top three seed. He's getting the most he can out of Pascal Siakam. Uh, I think Nick Nurse is obviously did an amazing job last year. He won the NBA title. And I think he's doing an amazing job this year with a lot less talent and still producing wins. So I got Nick Nurse for the Eastern Conference Coach of the Month. All right. Well, that's another area where you're wrong. How about Western Conference? Why don't you tell me what you got? All right. So for the Western Conference, this was uh, pretty easy for me. I have uh, Ryan Saunders, uh, RIP Flip Saunders. Uh, So Ryan Saunders is his son coaching, obviously, the Timberwolves to a 4-1 record. And one of those wins was without Carl Anthony Towns. And the one loss is when Carl Anthony Towns left the game early. So I think Ryan Saunders has done an amazing job. Uh, so he took over that Wolves team, who was coached by Tom Thibodeau, who was that team was constantly underperforming. Tom Thibodeau was a relic of the past. And I think Ryan Saunders is actually unlocking most players on his team. So I think he's doing the most with the least at this point in the West. Yeah, I want to. I, uh, so I have Ryan Saunders in my runner-up position, and I want to see how that shakes out over 82 games, man, because I don't think they wanted to give him that job. I think uh, he took over for Thibodeau, and then I think they probably wanted to go in a different direction, but f- out of love for Flip and due to the sensitivity reasons and everything with Flip and the you know the Saunders name being in the Timberwolves organization for so many years, they gave him a chance, and he, it's paying dividends and. And so that's cool. That's a nice story. And I want to see how that shakes out um, because I do think that Minnesota over 82 games is more sustainable than Phoenix over 82 games because of the superstar, um, you know, leading the charge. While I don't think that either of them are. You know, I, I do expect Minnesota and Phoenix to both be outside of the playoffs when the playoff picture is is over. Um, but for just the month of October, I'm going with Monty Williams because I mean, Phoenix, I just, I don't, I don't get it. I mean, Phoenix is supposed to be down there with Charlotte, New York, Washington, Cleveland, um, as the worst teams in the NBA. If you just look at, uh, recent history, current roster, nothing has really changed. We, you know, we talked about Frank Kaminsky, Aaron Baines, Ricky Rubio, fine. Those are nice names or whatever, but that's not moving the needle typically. You know, I mean, Aaron Baines doesn't typically move the needle on a roster. Frank Kaminsky doesn't move the needle on anybody's roster. And we've seen the Ricky Rubio thing for years and nice defensive player, nice, um, you know, can bring the ball up, can can distribute it, but doesn't usually move the needle. And Phoenix has just looked so darn competitive, winning games that um, I guess now we'll say that they're supposed to win. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that there was ever games that Phoenix was quote unquote supposed to win before, but when you're beating the Kings and the Grizzlies and a banged up Warriors team, that's winning games that you're supposed to win. But then also, you know, being very competitive against the Jazz, beating the Clippers, um, losing in overtime to the Nuggets. So very competitive. So they lost by one point to the Nuggets in overtime, one point to the Jazz, and beat the Clippers. So if so, just the month of October, which is a six-game sample size, I'm going Monty Williams. No, I, I can't argue with that. Uh, I think, obviously, it's early, but I think there's a lot of good candidates in the West, and I, I was thinking about Monty Williams, but I had to give it to Ryan Saunders, especially with that win without Carl Anthony Towns, but I feel your point. All right, so with some action coming up this week, I think we have 
some good for real for fake matchups that I'm very interested in watching and that I'm going to be able to watch, which I'm excited for. So on Monday night, uh, there's the Bucks and Timberwolves. I think that's a good for real for fake. And also on Monday night, we have 76ers versus the Suns. So I think those are two teams or four teams and two of them we think are for fake and two of them we probably think are for real. But this is a, a two good prove it matchups. Are there any other Monday night games that you're you're interested in, in looking at? Uh, no, but that yeah, that is that's awesome that you brought up this. So we get to see the the cream of the crop in the Eastern Conference, so to speak, against these two, you know, kind of overachieving upstart Western Conference teams. And both those teams, the Timberwolves and the Suns, are at home. Um, so you're right, I'll definitely be glued into both of those games because if they can even be competitive. I, to me, I mean, there's no, you know, I, I'm the most competitive human being in the world, so there is no such thing as good losses, I guess. Um, but if the, I mean, if these guys can keep it competitive against these teams, it just builds confidence, which these franchises otherwise hadn't had. So if you if you keep it competitive against the Sixers and the Bucks, it gives you more motivation to keep chugging along over a grueling 82 game season, and, and that's the kind of stuff that can propel you to, you know. 44 wins instead of 34 wins yeah um, so i'll definitely be glued into those two games um otherwise looking past that i mean you get heat at nuggets on tuesday night the heat are kind of continuing to climb the nba league pass chart if you will um so another test for them on the road against the western conference team and obviously we're seeing right now that the heat can put up some points since they have 71 at the half against the rockets um so that yeah, would be one. I think Tuesdays for real for fake games to look at are definitely Heat and Nuggets, and then the Spurs at Hawks. Yeah, well, so it still it depends on when Trey Young comes back. I mean, I I'm still hearing day to day. I don't really know when Trey Young is coming back. Yeah, but if you're for real team, you at least want to be competitive against the San Antonio Spurs with or without your best player. Right. I think it'll show a lot to see whether they're a year away or this year's their year of making the playoffs. Yep. Yeah, the role players got to keep stepping up. John John Collins also like rolled an ankle or something last game, so I'm not sure what if he's I didn't I didn't keep up with if he's day to day or what the deal with him. But yeah, you're John Collins, you're DeAndre Bembry. These guys got to uh, step up in Trey's absence. Yeah, and then uh, I think the marquee game is the Wednesday night game, the Bucks and Clippers game, right? Yep. Bucks at Clippers, right? If you that could be a preview of the the championship series, right? Could be. I think that's uh the Bucks are at least everybody's top two to three favorite in the East, and the Clippers are everybody's top two to three favorite in the West. So yeah, absolutely a potential preview there. Are you gonna stay up for that game? Yeah, baby, I'm on Central Time. That ain't that late for me. Oh, fuck, I'm gonna try to stay up for that game, but like that is that has to be like you can't have a must watch game this early in the season, but like that is. A must-watch game, right? Oh yeah, yeah, man, and uh, yeah, two teams that match up well against each other too. So I, I need more. I need Giannis and Kawhi like guarding each other, though. You know what I mean? That do, it doesn't happen enough where the superstars guard each other, particularly this early in the season. Uh, but give me at least like you know some some crunch time fourth quarter minutes where those two are guarding each other. If Kawhi sits out this game, I will not watch another Clippers game for the entire year. <laughs> yeah, well, let's but see. I mean, you could see it happening, you know? Like, oh, yeah. Oh, man. 
right. Are there any other games that, that you want to watch this week? No, not necessarily. I think we touched on the big ones. Obviously, Sixers are involved in another one against the Jazz, but I think the Sixers are in a different league than the Jazz. Uh, that's fair. I mean, I, I think the Burks all the Jazz. I do want to see a more co- cohesive team with Mike Connolly. Like they, uh, they have the top-rated defense in the NBA, but they don't look great right now. Like I know what the numbers say, but watching them play, play basketball, it looks a little clunky to me. We need the uh, NBA to have a flexible schedule the way the NFL does for Sunday night football or later in the year. If teams are like, you know, when they make the schedule at the beginning of the season, but then if teams are whack, they can move them off and put and flex in a better game because they littered, um, you know, a bunch of Pelicans nat- games. <laughs> right. Yep. They littered the national TV schedule with Pelicans games and then Zion went down and the Pelicans are trash. And now on Wednesday night, we got the Warriors on ESPN and ain't nobody trying to watch this rendition of the Warriors. Can I just make a comment on the Warriors real quick, though? Like, look, Clay Thompson is obviously hurt. Steph Curry is obviously hurt. But what are we doing right now with this Draymond Green and D'Angelo shit? Is this for real? Or am I to believe that these guys are actually hurt? Or are they trying to either A, tank, which is possible. But what I think they're trying to do is some woe is me bullshit, which is like, oh, look at us. You know, look, look. of course we can't win. Look at this lineup we have to roll out with now. Ain't nobody feeling bad for the Golden State Warriors. All right? You were in five straight finals. You took a 73 win team and added an MVP to it. Nobody's going to feel bad for you. I don't give a fuck if you go 0 82 this year, starting five dudes. I never heard of from the G league. No one's going to feel bad for you. Get Draymond green and D'Angelo Russell out on the court and they can take their lumps too. Okay. Just like everybody else in the NBA, everybody catches a bad one now and then. So I've Draymond green, who's probably scared to be, we, we always said for five years that, you know, yeah, okay, fine, Draymond Green is a nice complimentary piece, but you would never want him to be the best player on a team. And I think he's shying away from having to be the alleged best player on a team. Or they're just trying to save their biggest trade assets because they don't want him to get hurt. Just throw it out there. Throw them out there, man. I, I'm, no one's going to feel bad for the Warriors. Sorry, not going to happen. All right, well, on that hater note, uh, is there anything else you want to – you want to say you want to wrap up this uh, this Sunday night podcast so you can watch your Patriots lose to the Baltimore Ravens. I'm going to go watch a little Patriots and Ravens and have a nice beer um, and some Chinese food for dinner and, um, you know, cry myself to sleep over my New York Knicks. All right, word. Uh, well, I, I guess we'll try to sh- talk Wednesday night or Thursday about some of this NBA action. Uh, We can talk about the latest Knicks loss and the latest Celtics win because we're playing the Cleveland Cavaliers. The Knicks are down by 20 at home to the Kings. Yeah. I mean the, the eight seed Kings, the one in five Kings, the Kings are one in five and the Knicks are one in five and the Kings are up by 20 in Madison square garden right now. I guess it proves how much better the West is in the East. I'm going to go get a rope and a stool. All right. Uh, I should probably try to stop you, but I'm not. So maybe talk to you Thursday. Maybe this is our last podcast. All right, man. Have a good one. All right, bro. Hey, if you like what you hear, please give us a five-star review. Share it with your friends. Uh, again, we're just two dudes trying to make a podcast, trying to give you what you want. Uh, any feedback is greatly appreciated. Uh, thanks for listening and hope to see you soon.